Thanks for listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. We upload new episodes every Monday and Friday. Be sure to listen to Uncaged Voice on Twitch or YouTube and listen to the Red Pill Current News Podcast on all major audio platforms every Wednesday and Saturday for current news and special interviews. Here are your hosts, Donny Cage and the Kentucky Guy. All right, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky Guy. And I am your other co-host, Donny Cage. There he is. There he is. How's it going, sir? It's going great. I've got a long weekend ahead of me, so I am happy as a kid of Christmas. Happy as a kid of Christmas. Wow, that's uh, that's saying a lot. <laughs> All right, folks, so if this is your first time listening to us, we do talk about pro wrestling past, present, and future, as well as superstars and promotions. Also, uh, Mr. Cage does have a podcast that he created, and he's a co-host of. Go ahead and tell everybody, sir, about Uncaged Voice. Yes, please check out the Uncaged Voice podcast on our official YouTube channel. It is myself, Top Tier Rated, and Jigsaw Jester. We talk about all things entertainment, sports, movies, anything that floats your boat. And we have a brand new episode dropping this weekend, so please check it out. Yep, yep, yep. And that's on YouTube, right? That is on YouTube. All right. And uh, also, if you'd like to stay up to date with current events, current news, or the political realm, you can always check out my show, the Red Pill Current News Podcast. And we drop two episodes a week there, normally on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Here, we drop an episode every Monday and Friday. If you'd ever like to be a guest on this show or you have any questions for Donnie or myself, you can always email us at ol, Kentucky spelled out, 99 at yahoo.com. That's Kentucky 99 at yahoo.com. Now, uh, the first segment of every show, what we do is it's called My Fantasy Booking. And basically what that is, is Donnie and myself pick a wrestler, either past, present, uh, maybe even a future superstar in some companies and when they were with certain promotions how if we would have booked them a little bit different they might have actually been more successful within that promotion or promotions some of them are plural so uh as always mr cage i'll let you start us off thank you kentucky guy well this week i am going to be doing a fantasy booking on none other than well well it's the big show a.k.a. the Giant, a.k.a. Paul White. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, this guy's not really relevant anymore. He's just a commentator on AEW, wrestles an occasional match on the pre-show pay-per-views, and that's very true. I mean, he's pretty much in the twilight of his career now. Things are winding down for him. He's had a heck of a career, all joking aside. He's uh, won a lot of championships in both WWE and when he was in WCW. He also is a former ECW world champ during that revival period. 
So he's accomplished a lot. But this man, most people, when they talk about him, they talk about a lot of missed potential in his career. This guy was supposed to be the second coming of Andre the Giant for his generation. And all the pieces were really in place for this man to be his generation's Andre the Giant. But a lot of booking blunders prevented him from getting to that point. Now, you could also say that there were instances where he was just complacent in his career, particularly in WWE, and didn't really show as much oomph in his matches as he could have, and I definitely think there's a lot of truth to that. But let's take you back to his early days in WCW. He was introduced in 1995 as a member of the Dungeon of Doom. Now, say what you will about that storyline and how ridiculous it was. But this guy was presented as a serious threat to then-WCW world champion Hulk Hogan. They had their first official match, and it was his first match on television at the October Halloween Havoc pay-per-view in 1995. And the big show actually ended up going the distance with Hogan. It was about a 15-minute match. And I will say, for his very first match in pro wrestling, he didn't do half bad. It wasn't an all-time classic but it was, it, it was going okay. The finish to that match was totally convoluted. It's now gone down in history as one of the weirdest endings to a main event in wrestling history, but I digress. Through a loophole, he ended up actually winning the WCW world title, although he was later stripped of it because he was told you can't win the match by disqualification. It's got to be by pinfall or submission. Well, anyway, time goes on. Following year in 1996, he beat the nature boy Ric Flair to become WCW world champion. And he would defend his title successfully over the next few months. Eventually, he would lose the title to Hollywood Hulk Hogan at Hog Wild in 1996. He would join the NWO that fall and eventually would have a falling out with the faction. And after he won the World War III Battle Royal in November of 1996, he was the number one contender to the world title. And it was during this period that he was trying to ascend to the top once again, that in my opinion, WCW dropped the ball. Because he was being presented for a while as an unstoppable monster who could tear through the entire NWO in order to get his hands on Hulk Hogan. And what happens? Well, they get to their match at the NWO sold-out pay-per-view in January of 1997, and it, ends in, it has a non-finish where the NWO interferes, the giant, uh, you know, en ends up coming across like a total goof that he couldn't win this match, even though he was no-selling most of Hulk Hogan's offense throughout and looked practically unbeatable. And this was sort of like the beginning of the end of his career in WCW because they were never going to book him to look this dominant ever again. And even though he still went on to have some high-profile feuds, he just never reached that level of success. And then he went to the WWF. We all know about him having 15 face and heel turns during his career. Sure, he won a couple of world championships along the way, which is commendable. But I just can't help but sit here and think and reflect, you know, more than 20 years later, how much bigger this guy should have been in, in the world of professional wrestling than he was. Your thoughts, Kentucky guy? Well, 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 well. Let's, uh... I guess uh, I need to be. I guess I need to be completely honest with you. When it comes to the Big Show, I never was a fan. And his song. It's funny that you sung his song when you first started talking about him because I have a song that I used to sing every time he came out, and it was 
Well, it's the big slow. Yeah. Uh, this guy doesn't deserve any more than what he, I think he's actually gotten too much in his career. Way too much. Uh, he would get out of shape and then try to wrestle his way back into shape. And he just, it's like he never took the sport, a sport that I love, seriously. Just because he's a big guy. And I remember the bull crap when uh, he first came into WCW. And they tried to say that he was Andre the Giant's son. This guy can't hold a candle. Never could to Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant was a big boy, but he was athletic. And he could get the crowd behind him. So this choke slamming giant, I think he hit his peak. In WCW, wish he would have never came to WWE, in my opinion. Okay, so let's move on to my fantasy booking for this episode. And this is a humdinger. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. My fantasy booking for this episode is none other than the great Harley Leland. We all know him as an American professional wrestler, a promoter, and trainer as Harley Race. Yes, yes, yes. I want to show you how a true champion, everywhere he went, was made a disgrace by one promotion. So while in high school, an altercation with a classmate led to the principal putting Race in the back of the head as he tried to break up the fight. Enraged, Race attacked him, resulting in his expulsion. He was already six foot one inches and 225 pounds. So he decided to get his start in professionally wrestling. So imagine a fight with your principal, an actual fight, and you decide, you know what? Let's get into wrestling. So he then became the driver of a wrestler called Happy Humphrey, who was too large to drive at the time. Harley Race is considered by many wrestling historians to be among the greatest performers ever for anyone who's only familiar with his WWE work, and that's the company I'm talking about who dropped the ball, that probably seems like blasphemous. However, Race was a stalwart for roughly 20 years in both AWA and NWA prior to his WWE debut in 1986, but he could never replicate the success that he had during the earlier part of his career. There's a reason why. Race was an eight-time, eight-time NWA heavyweight champion. So signing him was viewed as a major coup for the WWE. Hulk Hogan was very much in his heyday during that time. And Race should have been a perfect heel to feud with him. Not only was Race a big, meaningless guy with Bobby the Brain Heenan as his manager, but he had enough credibility that he could have believably beat the Hulkster. Rather than just letting him be the legitimate tough guy that he was, Race was dubbed King Harley Race as he won the second King of the Ring tournament. Race would go on to feud with Hogan for a while, but he wasn't made to look like Hogan's equal. Instead, he was made to look just like a goofy guy in a crown and a cape who couldn't overcome Hulkamania. In an injury in 1988, abruptly ended Race's run in the WWE as the attempted comebacks fell flat. So that had something to do with his failure to establish himself as a main eventer as well. The real blame falls on WWE, though. 
However, because it could have easily billed Ray versus Hogan as a battle between the NWA's best and the WWE's best, but obsession with ignoring rival companies actually backfired. And there's another reason, too. And here's an interview, and I actually didn't know anything about this, so I started doing research on this, and this was interesting. So here's an interview. The interviewer asked, would you have... You, you would have had big match with Ric Flair at Starcade 83. Now, is it true that Vince McMahon was trying to get you to sign and not show up at the event? Quote, he was asking me about coming up there and trying to avoid that part of it. I had been involved in wrestling for a long time, and the NWA world title was what I had my heart and mind set on doing since day one. I wasn't going to get involved with Vince until I was through with the NWA side. That's what I wanted to do. And that's what I did. Uh huh. Now. Hulk Hogan at gunpoint. WWE legend confirms. Hulk or Harley race once pulled a gun. Into Hulkster's belly. So the concept of pro wrestling. Is having a baby face. And a heel compete together. And determine a solid winner. However. Back in the days. It was all serious in the business. So serious that once legendary wrestler Harley Race pulled a gun on Hulk Hogan. In the late 80s and 90s, Vince McMahon and his team eliminated the idea of territory wrestling, which was predominant for a long time in the industry, and introduced the audience to the business with media coverage, forcing various talents to leave their territories and join Vince McMahon. The majority of wrestlers took offense to Vince McMahon and company to eradicate the territory system. One such wrestler was Harley Race. Race was an integral part of the wrestling business as he put on classic bouts throughout the 70s and 80s. At one point in his career, he even wrestled for Vince McMahon. Harley Race nearly killed Hulk Hogan in the 80s. Speaking on podcasts, Something to Wrestle With, Bruce Pritchard reflected on a story. Back in the late 80s, Vince McMahon, alongside his crew, went to do a show in Kansas City, which was Harley's territory. Now, Harley was reportedly mad at the company and Hogan because they invaded the territory and grabbed more money. So before the show, Harley allegedly burned the ring down. However, WWF put a new ring up, seeing the company was not going to stop. Race asked everybody about Hogan. After realizing Hogan was in the restroom, Harley waited for Hogan to come out. As soon as he came out, he stuck a gun on Hogan right into his gut. It was further revealed that Hogan fell flat, gave all the information of Vince McMahon to Harley, claiming it was Vince's idea. Eventually, nothing happened. Harley and Hogan put on classic bouts later on, and wrestling business is still in debt to them both for what they did in the industry. Now, this was one of the reasons also why... We had King Harley as well. Once again, Vince's ego. Harley never won a title in WWE. However, he was a 13-time heavyweight champion, which doesn't include the nine-time central centralweight heavyweight champion. Also, he was a seven-time NWA, as I mentioned, heavyweight champion. And he also won match of the year five times. Five times match of the year. And he's been inducted into seven. Different Hall of Fame. 
Are you telling me that you're going to let your ego, because you were breaking the rules, not let this guy be the star that he was? Could you imagine if they would have let him loose and be just Harley Race, forget about that stupid gimmick, and go over on Hogan at least once or twice, how much more legacy Hogan and Race would have both had? Your thoughts? It's pretty difficult to agree to disagree with you on this one, Kentucky guy, because Harley Race's accolades speak for themselves. If you're a true wrestling fan, you've heard the name Harley Race. I was a young kid when I first heard of Harley Race. He had retired from in-ring competition at that point, was a manager first for uh, Lex Luger in WCW, and then he was Vader's manager for a lot of years. But as I did my research, when I got more and more into the history of wrestling, I found out all about Harley Race and how he was a seven-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion, had a brief run in the WWF for a few years, but like you said, wasn't really treated like the big deal that he should have been. And I don't think the issue was ever that Harley Race won the King of the Ring. It was the fact that, like you said, they kept this stupid King gimmick on him for months and months and months and we've seen how it's how this type of gimmick has destroyed other wrestlers' careers. And Harley Race was also a victim of this, unfortunately. Um, and the other thing is, you know, they paired him up with Bobby the Brain Heenan. And you would think on paper this would be amazing. But here's the thing. I mean, Harley Race didn't really need a manager. He could talk. He could cut his own promos. He did not need an additional manager. He, you know, as great as Bobby the Brain Heenan is, probably one of the best managers in the history of wrestling. Um, and commentators, but Harley Race should have been treated like a big deal, and he should have been treated as more of a serious threat to Hogan. Was he probably going to unseat Hogan? Well, not at that point, but treat him like more of a serious threat. I mean, in we want to talk about fantasy booking. I mean, in a perfect world, imagine if the the main event for WrestleMania two was a steel cage match between Hulk Hogan and Harley Race instead of Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy. That would have been one for the record books. So, yeah, I, I, I think this is a good pick, Kentucky guy, and uh, he was completely misused by WWF. Yep, I agree, 100%. He just, uh, it just wasn't, it just didn't make any sense. Did not make any sense. All right, so uh, we're going to get into the wrestling news. We've also got Elimination Chamber predictions to do this evening as well on today's show. But I did want to give a bit of breaking news that just happened. You literally just came out, and that is Tony Khan has just announced that Ring of Honor Television will premiere on Thursday, March 2nd, March 2nd, 2023. Now, I want to note one thing before I get Don, Mr. Cage's opinion on this. It's only on, it's only going to be, it's only on be accessible on the Ring of Honor Club. That's the only way you can access it. If you belong to the Ring of Honor Club, I'm looking for that to change. But right now, that's the breaking news. Your thoughts? Well, it's a big announcement, and I did not hear about it prior to this uh, podcast. So I'm kind of shocked by it. But it's a great sign that Tony Khan is actually committed to the future of Ring of Honor, and it's not just another notch on his belt. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear about this. And I, I might even do at least a trial membership of uh, Ring of Honor Club to, to, to give it a watch and see what type of television they can produce. Oh, if, if you're not already a member, sir, I promise you, you'll, uh, even before this, 
<laughs> all the old matches and stuff. I mean, it's worth it. I promise it's worth it. Okay. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and go over, uh, let's start off with dynamite results. Let's mix it up just a little bit. Uh, dynamite result. And then we'll let Mr. Cage give the first news story, uh, today. Yeah. So the first match I've got here is a Texas tornado tag team match. The Blackpool Combat Club uh, versus uh, uh, Preston Vance and Rush. The winner was the Blackpool Club, but I have to say that this was a decent match. And I really don't, you know, Rush is a two-time Ring of Ring of Honor champion. I really don't uh, see what they're doing with him. He's got to be getting a little bit. Maybe we're Ring of Honor's coming back now. Maybe that'll change. But he... He has to be frustrated just a little bit. Then we've seen another match with Hangman Adam Page versus Kip Saban. Hangman Adam Page was actually attacked before the match. However, he still came out victorious in the match. And then I'll go over one more. Mark Briscoe versus Josh Woods. Great, great, great seeing Mark Briscoe back on AEW television. Uh, loved it. Of course, he won the match. And uh, gave a shout-out to his brother, and I just thought that was fantastic. So uh, your thoughts on those three matches, sir? Well, first of all, I want to applaud Ring of Honor for lifting, uh, Ring of Honor, AEW, for lifting their ban on the Briscoes and allowing Mark Briscoe to continue to compete on AEW television. It's, it's uh, really great, and I hope he continues making appearances. Um, because the, the thing that people forget is even though they were mostly known as a tag team, the Briscoe brothers were both two pretty solid singles competitors as well. So I hope we continue to see Mark Briscoe on AEW television. Um, yeah, this was a, so this was a decent showcase for him. Um, you know, the uh, Tornado Tag match was also pretty good. Um, it would have been more beneficial for Preston Vance and Rush to go over in this particular match. But I understand why the Blackpool Combat Club won this match. I still think it's only a matter of time, though, before the Blackpool Combat Club goes their separate ways. And then uh, Kip Sabian, it's always good to see him on television, but I figured this was going to be a victory for Hangman Adam Page. They're trying to build him up once again. Whether he is going to be pushed back into the world title picture in the near future, who knows. But not surprised by the results. Yeah, I tell you, I noticed he didn't use his normal finishing move. It's probably good because uh, Logan Paul, even though I don't like the guy, makes the move look a lot better. So <laughs> uh, We also had uh, Dr. Britt Baker, Baker versus Ruby Soho versus Tony Storm. Winner, Ruby Soho. It looks like they're trying to give her a push. I don't know why. I've never been a fan of hers, even when she was Ruby Riot, even when she was Ruby Ruby back in Ring of Honor. Uh, yeah, I don't understand that. And then we also had Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, defeat Brian Cage. Once again, another solid athlete, putting everybody over. I mean, okay, he's got a trio's title for the Ring of Honor, but still, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, come on. And then the last match, we had the uh, Orange Cassidy, and then we had uh, with the Claim versus uh, Jay Lethal, Jeff Jarrett, and uh, Sadman Sai and Sanjay, the winner, Orange Cassidy and the claim. No reason whatsoever why Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett shouldn't have won that match. Doesn't make any sense to me 
whatsoever. Jeff Jarrett, which is my first new, we'll talk about in a minute, but he was there when no other man that I know of, I couldn't have been there. I couldn't have been there on that day that Jeff Jarrett was there. And he still had to put other people over, and that's, man, that, that's a mistake. Jeff Jarrett's a legend. Your thoughts? Well, huge respect for Jeff Jarrett still being able to compete. Um, you know, after, after you know, spe- especially in the wake of, his, uh, of the death of his father, Jerry Jarrett, I wouldn't be able to compete under those circumstances. So, um, you know, just just want to just want to say that just out of respect for him, uh, the fact that he's still willing to show up and and you know do, do his job, tremendous uh, tremendous respect for him for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I wasn't surprised here. I mean, Orange Cassidy and the acclaimed are are really over with the fans, so of course you got to book them to win the match. And you know, the acclaimed are hoping to win the tag team titles back from the Gun Club and you know start the Scissor Me Daddy craze again. So. Uh, yeah, I expected AEW to have them go over in this match. Whether it was the right call or not, uh, I leave open to interpretation. But, um, yeah, the, the the result itself didn't surprise me. The Jungle Boy versus um, Brian Cage match. I, I've said in the past that I like Jungle Boy. I have no problem with AEW pushing him. Having Brian Cage lose, I, I still don't know what their plans are for this guy. I mean, he's too good of a talent. For them to have him lose matches, even if it's to put other stars over, I don't know. It's really it's really bizarre. So unless they have like big big plans for him in the new Ring of Honor, um, I, I fail to see what what's going on in the grand scheme for uh, Brian Cage and AEW. And then, uh, I mean, last but not least, the, the women's triple threat match. Um, my personal pick to go over in this match would have been Tony Storm because I feel like. She and Soraya are, are being pushed right now. Um, Ruby Soho would have been the least likely person that I would have expected to win this match. Uh, maybe just because she's the, the odd woman out. She's the baby face and you have the two heels she's going up against. I don't know, but I, I think that was the wrong call. Yep, I agree. So, yeah, so we do want to, before we get into wrestling news, that's what I was hinting around to as well. We want to... Pay our respects to Jerry Jarrett. Uh, he did pass away. Um, and, yeah, I could have never, never done what Jeff Jarrett did. I just couldn't. So uh, just to kind of give you a little bit of background, Jerry Jarrett started selling wrestling programs at the age of seven and worked his way up to helping Nick Gullis and Roy Welch sell tickets before eventually working as a referee and as a pro ref- wrestler and eventually uh, promoting Memphis wrestling for decades. In the 90s, Jerry was said to have been the person to take over for Vince McMahon if McMahon would have been convicted in the steroid distribution trials in the 90s. His influence in the business continued right into the 2000s as he and Jeff and Bob Ryder went on a fishing trip in 2001 and came up with the idea to launch TNA Wrestling thus providing jobs to thousands of wrestlers and backstage crew for years to come. This guy would like him or love him. This guy's going to go down in our history book as one of the greatest promoters of all time. And, you know, sometimes bad things happen to good people. You've all heard me say that a lot. And to the uh, Jared family, you know, God bless. And uh, we're definitely sorry for your loss. 
All right, sir. I'll let you go ahead and start us off with the first headline of the show. AEW star teases jumping to WWE. FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wilder betted on themselves when they left WWE and joined AEW. Since that decision, FTR has been on an incredible run as they've held gold in AEW, ROH, AAA, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Harwood, Harwood has said their current AEW contracts will be up at the end of April, making them free agents. They've entertained the idea of staying with AEW or going somewhere else. Another idea is for them to work independent shows for a while and not be signed to one promotion. Hartwood got fans talking on Instagram after he shared a photo that in the bottom left corner had a piece of paper that looked like it had the WWE logo on it. He later posted the photo on Twitter, but just happened to crop out most of the piece of paper. Dax Harwood may may just be trolling fans, or it could be a way to see if they can start a bidding war between AEW and WWE to increase their money. Well, I have to personally say that this is a very, very smart move by FTR if they're looking to get noticed, because their stock has gone up considerably in the last few years after all the championships they won. So WWE 100% is going to give them a second look. And seeing as how they first made a name for themselves at NXT, you know that Triple H is going to be dying to re-sign these guys. If Vince McMahon was still in charge, I I don't think he would bat an eye, to be perfectly honest. AEW also doesn't want to lose one of their top tag teams. So they're going to try to to lock FTR down for a couple more years for a uh, lucrative deal, in my opinion. But, um... But yeah, I don't. I, I don't think. It, it, I think it's too early to say FTR is one hundred percent WWE bound. But I definitely think if an offer is given to them, they're going to entertain it. Your thoughts? Uh, I think they'd be crazy not to go after these guys. These guys are uh, they're still old school wrestling, and they are uh, they're so over everywhere they go. And I really think I really think WWE has an opportunity here because. And I and I know that they had all those titles at the same time, New Japan, Ring of Honor, what have you. But I really feel Tony Khan dropped the ball when he skipped over them and then let them fight for the AEW world titles, tag team titles. And I think that's going to come back to haunt him. If you remember, if you go back several episodes, I said that's going to come back and haunt him like a ghost. And I think he's going to reap it now. Just my opinion. Once again, Dax Hardwood's known to troll people on social media, so who knows? But, you know, they're buddies with CM Punk. He's not coming back. So it wouldn't surprise me. I think WWE has a golden opportunity. Whether they take a hold of it or not, it's completely up to them. Uh, Your next story, sir. What happened between Liv Morgan and Austin Theory on WWE Raw? Liv came face-to-face with Austin Theory on Raw. Liv Morgan is a SmackDown star. A piece of fan-shot footage is currently making the rounds on Twitter, featuring an amusing moment between Liv Morgan and Austin Theory. Liv Morgan is one of the most over-baby faces on the WWE roster today. She received loud reactions on a regular basis back when she was the SmackDown Women's Champion. Theory has been doing well as a hated heel on WWE TV for a while now. 
A fan managed to shoot footage of a quick interaction between the two on WWE Raw. In the clip, Liv Morgan can be seen heading backstage after her match. Theory made his entrance at the same time, and Morgan wasn't pleased. She put her hand in front of Theory's face, and the latter seemed a bit bothered by the same. So the video below, several fans responded to the clip of Morgan almost shoving her hand in Theory's face. Yeah, this is just more of the same. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think this is just one of those backstage interactions that they filmed to get people talking. I don't think there's any plans to pair these two up or get them involved in a storyline. I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's way more important storylines going on right now in WWE to pay much attention to this. Kentucky guy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think they're reaching. I think they're. I think that article right there is reaching. I, I remember uh, reading something like that, and I was like, ah, eh. you know, I mean, we'll 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 bring it to you all. You know, that's what we do. We we give you what you what we find. Let you all make your own decision on that stuff. But uh, I think, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they're reaching. Okay, so before I get into my headline, let's go over a few raw results from Monday, Monday Night Raw. Uh, Brock Lesnar. And Bobby Lashley had the contract signing. Uh, Bobby Lashley would not come down to the ring at first <laughs> uh, to sign it. Very smart, actually, on his end. However, he did get the best. It seemed like he got the best of Brock Lesnar. He did sign the contract. However, Brock Lesnar, while laying there, smiled. So I don't, I mean, who knows what's going through that maniac's mind. We also had the Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford versus Judgment Day, Damian Priest and Finn Balor. Disqualification, no real winner in that match. A bunch of things happening in that match that really don't mean anything. We did see Beth Phoenix get her hands on uh, Dominic. And we got we seen Rhea Ripley finally back on Raw, and she put her hands on Beth Phoenix and put her out. Miz TV with Seth Rollins was a special guest. And oh my God, Seth Rollins' boots. That was something else. And he did the curb stomp in them. I, I thought that was great. Uh, Miz kept pushing Seth to talk about Logan Paul. And I don't know what Miz's deal was, but he just continued to push Seth Rollins' button until he finally snapped. And he got curb stomped. And he had a match right after that, after being curb stomped with Rick Boo or whatever his crap his name is. So, of course, Rick Boo won because the Miz was already out of it due to a curve stomp, which I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't like this Rick Boo guy. Uh, he's not a wrestler. He's a bodybuilder and a guitar player. Miz is a Grand Slam champion. I don't get it. I don't get it. Your thought? Well, I mean, kudos to Seth Rollins for pulling off that curb stomp in uh, in those boots. Um yeah, Rick Boogs, I said I said last week, uh, needs to bring back his guitar and just rejoin up with Shinsuke Nakamura, another wrestler. I I, I, I personally have not impressed by his wrestling ability. Yeah, he needs to stick with what works for him. Um, you know, the uh, the judge, Judgment Day, it makes total sense having them go over in this tag team match, especially because they've got the big showdown coming up with uh, Edge and Beth Phoenix, which should be a good match at Elimination Chamber. I'm looking forward to it. And... Um, you know the the Lashley Bobby uh, excuse me the Bobby Lashley Brock Lesnar segment also great. I'm I'm tired of contract signings, but whenever I see two big hosses get into a get into a, a, a scrap, it's always fun to watch. That's also going to be a really good match. 
lots of lots of big slams and pounding blows and submission attempts. Yeah, it should be fun. Yep, uh, like a couple old meat hooks going at each other. Should be something else. Okay, so let's get into the next headline. Update on WWE potentially adding top SmackDown star to Roman Reigns' match at WrestleMania 39. Roman Reigns is uh, reigning undisputed universal champion. Reigns is, uh, while it seems almost certain that Reigns will defend the undisputed WWE Universal Championship at WrestleMania 39 against Cody Rhodes, fans are determined to see Sami Zayn added to the huge match. Reigns and Sami are set to collide this weekend at Elimination Chamber for the Undisputed Championship. Despite Zayn's surge in popularity, many expect the Tribal Chief to retain his title heading into WrestleMania. With many members of the WWE Universe wanting Zayn added to the WrestleMania main event. Dave Meltzer recently reported that plans for this year's main event has been set in stone. He added that the company doesn't intend to change the bout. Uh, quote, they have not been changing almost everything. I have heard, in fact, everything. I have heard there have been changes from months back, but I would say that a month back, everything happened exactly the same. Unlike every year before, uh, WrestleMania, everything was changed in some way. Not big changes, but there were tweaks and stuff. Now there hasn't been. So they should not, they should not beat Sami Zayn if you're following the ratings. The ratings tell you. The bloodline is currently divided with two hungry contenders, with two hungry contenders in the form of Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes. Determined to beat the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns, 900-plus day run as champion, is in more jeopardy than it ever has been. Now, Cody Rhodes made a statement in another interview that he didn't care if this would be a WrestleMania match, was a singles match or a triple threat match with Sami Zayn. So they keep dangling that carrot. I don't think it's going to happen. It's possible, but they keep dangling the carrot at least. Your thoughts? My biggest criticism about this idea, I mean, obviously, there's always going to be rumors going around the internet, but I'm glad that Sammy's going to get a shot at the world title. Don't misunderstand me. But I hate when WWE basically always caves into pressure and decides, well, because the fans are demanding it, we have to make this the main event of WrestleMania. I get that Sami Zayn is popular. Don't misunderstand me. But Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble, and tradition dictates that whoever is the Royal Rumble winner is the number one contender to the World Championship. And I understand Sammy's got a very personal beef with Roman Reigns, but they've been building Cody Rhodes back up now. He had an amazing return to Wrestle uh, last year at WrestleMania. Let's build this guy up and 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 put the title on him and have him end Roman Reigns's run at the top. That's what, we, what we've been building towards all this time, at least ever since we knew The Rock wasn't going to be a part of WrestleMania this year. Let's, let, let's take the ball and run with it. Let's not just cave into pressure because a select number of fans are demanding that it be a triple threat at WrestleMania. Yeah, I have to disagree with you there. Um, I, I think it's more than just a few fans that are turning the heads of the company. You have a whole, whole lot of fans, and you have a whole lot of staff that are that think Sami Zayn determined. Here's where they made the mistake. 
when Triple H took that interview and he said that him, himself, and Vince McMahon didn't see Sami Zayn as a top guy or the face of the company, could ever be the face of the company, they made a major mistake there. Because you don't say that about a wrestler that's this far over. So that's where I think a lot of this is coming from. Now, yes, you're right. Normally, your Royal Rumble winner is the one that faced the champion at WrestleMania. However, there's been many instances, many, 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 many times that match has been turned into a triple threat. Many times over the years. I've even seen the winner of the Royal Rumble lose, put their spot at WrestleMania on the line against another wrestler and lose that match and lose their spot at WrestleMania. So, yeah, we got to be careful there with tradition and all that because it's 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 always changing, and that's how this business is. I don't think they're going to switch it to a triple threat. I think they're just dangling that carrot out there to appease some people who aren't happy with the way that the Royal Rumble went, that Sami Zayn wasn't even a part of the Rumble, the Rumble itself. So I think they're just throwing that out there. We'll see. We don't have long. April will be here before you know it. All right, so before we get into any more headlines, let's go ahead and go over the Elimination Chamber match card and go over our predictions for this Saturday in Canada. Here we go. First match, might as well talk about it. Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn for the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. My pick, Roman Reigns. What say you? I would agree. It's going to be a hard-fought battle. I think Sammy's going to get a lot of near falls in this match, especially with it being in Montreal. Um, they might even try to do a, a thing where it looks like Sammy has the match won and they restart the match and Roman ends up winning. But I would agree reluctantly that even though it would get the crowd to go crazy, I think we're going to see Roman Reigns retain at Elimination Chamber. Yeah, I guess I should give a better reason why I say that. I think Roman Reigns is going to retain because I think uh, – Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso is going to show up. I think that uh, Sami Zayn's going to think Jay Uso is helping him, and he's going to turn on him, and that'll set up Zayn's and Owens versus the Usos at WrestleMania. All right, so the next match we have Austin Theories versus Seth Rollins versus Johnny Gargano versus Bronson Reed versus Damian Priest versus Montez Ford in the elimination style match, elimination chamber match for the United States Heavyweight Championship. I personally. There's no way that I can say that Austin Theory is going to win this match, even though that's what everybody's predicting because of a article Dave Meltzer put out about a photo that takes place in March or whatever. I don't care. My pick for this match, Seth Rollins, to be your new United States champion. Your thoughts? Uh, Got to disagree here, uh, Kentucky guy. I think uh, Rollins might be one of the last two involved in the match, but I think uh, I think Austin Theory is going to – A-Town down his way to victory and retain the United States championship. He'll never win that match fair. He'll never win win it with his finishing move. Sorry, he he just won't. He didn't win it it the last time he won the belt, fair and square. All right, so the next match, Elimination Chamber match also. Asuka versus Carmella versus Liv Morgan versus Natalia versus Nikki Cross versus Raquel Rodriguez. And this is for the Rawls. Uh, women's championship match at WrestleMania. I know that the odds are against me on this one too. Everybody thinks Oscar's going to win it. 
And I like Oscar. I do. But I got to say, it's mellow money, baby. Armella will be your winner. Your thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm just sorry. I thought I had something stuck in my ear here, but I, th- I thought I heard you say Carmella was going to win that match. Mellow's well, money. I, uh, uh, Carmella's money. Okay. Um, so. Uh, she may be the most beautiful woman in the world, as Corey Graves calls her, um, but we got to go with the serious pick here, and I am going to pick Oscar uh, to win this uh, matchup and challenge Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Yeah, you're just a, you're just a, uh, what do they call it, where you jump on the bandwagon? Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. You can do that. All right, the next match we have Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Judgment Day Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. Judgment Days, there's no reason why Edge and Beth should win this match. Judgment Day all the way. Your thoughts? This is a tough one to call. I gotta be I gotta be honest because um there's so much bad blood here. I feel like Judgment Day has gotten one over Edge and Beth Phoenix a few too many times that it's almost time for Edge and Beth Phoenix to get their heat back here. I mean we know that Rhea Ripley's gonna be challenging Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania for the SmackDown women's title. So she doesn't really have anything to lose here other than just like just like pride, basically. I'm actually gonna predict that the that the rated R uh, couple is gonna walk away with the victory here. I'm going Edge and Beth Phoenix. Let's see if I can get this right. Hold on. Nope, didn't work. Huh. Okay. Alright. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I know why it didn't work. Hold on. You know what that is? That's a donkey. Yeah. All right. Next match. Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar will win this match. He'll destroy him. And he will break the tie and hopefully end this feud once and for all. Your thoughts? It's been a physical feud, I'll say that. And the both guys have everything to gain here. This is a really tough one to call. I will... I'm going to reluctantly say, Kentucky guy, that this is going to be a Brock Lesnar victory. I don't think it's going to be a, a dominant victory where he destroys Bobby Lashley, but uh, I do. I see Brock Lesnar winning this matchup. All right. All right. Glad to see that you're finally waking up and coming to your senses. Cool. Okay, so let's uh, uh, let's go. You've got the next two headlines, sir. I'll let you go ahead and hit the next he is in the same boat as Karrion Cross. WWE urged to work on an unimpressive former world champion. As the WWE possesses an insanely deep roster, a handful of talented wrestlers won't always have the desired impression on the audience. During this week's episode of Smack Talk, Dutch Mantel urged WWE to pay more attention to Braun Strowman, who he felt was in the same predicament as Karrion Cross. Strowman and Cross are among the superstars who have returned under Triple H's regime. While Strowman has moved on to a tag team with Ricochet, Karrion Cross has recently been engaged in a rather underwhelming angle with Rey Mysterio. On paper, Strowman has better credentials than Cross, as the former Wyatt family member has won four titles in WWE, including the Universal Championship. Strowman's return was initially seen as WWE strengthening the main event picture. However, he's not been consistently impressive since his comeback. Dutch Mantel noted below, I thought the finish was pretty good, but again, Strowman is another one they really got to work on because remember when they were pushing him up against Gunther for a while? The legendary manager explained that some talents might not be cut out for the big TV spots and wondered whether Cross and Strowman belonged in the same category. 
it has been proven that good booking can change a superstar's futures in WWE. Fortunes, rather. And the SmackDown stars could also experience a resurgence with the proper creative backing. Mantell continued, That disappeared, so I think he is in the same boat as Karrion Cross, to tell you the truth. They kind of got him up there, and then downfall. And this is how, like, how water reacts. It finds its own level. Now these guys, we're seeing what they are, right? The latest episode of the Blue Brand, Brew Brand, the Blue Brand featured multiple high-stakes matches with the show head being headlined by a massive fatal four-way for the Intercontinental Championship, number one contendership. Karrion Cross competed in the main event showdown, and while he couldn't stop Madcap Moss from winning the bout, the Doomwalker expectedly advanced his storyline with Rey Mysterio. As for Braun Strowman, the monster of all monsters alongside his partner Ricochet, challenged the Usos for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. The babyfaces put up a good fight, but unsurprisingly, weren't able to dethrone the Usos in a pretty solid title match. Well, it's a lot to unpack, but let me just say I'm a fan of both guys, Braun Strowman and Karrion Cross, and I feel they're both being completely underutilized right now. Karrion Cross should have absolutely won that fatal four-way match. I have no idea, no idea what possessed them to book Madcap Moss as the winner. And Braun Strowman, I'm kind of intrigued by his pairing with Ricochet. I think if they were to play their cards right, this could actually be a pretty pretty uh, good partnership. But I agree. I mean, Braun Strowman, he's brought back. And you're thinking he's going to be a world title or at the very least an intercontinental title contender. And he gets like a minute in the spotlight and then, you know, back down to the mid card he goes. So, I mean, both of these guys are just, unfortunately, it's not that they don't have talent, it's that they're not being booked to look strong on a consistent basis. And eventually, fans are going to lose interest, because you're not booking them and utilizing them properly. This is a different situation than, say, a guy like Baron Corbin, where he's being given every single opportunity to succeed, and he fails miserably every single time. These guys just aren't given, being given the right opportunity you put them in the spotlight, then maybe they might surprise you. And if you watch the fans' reaction, they're already losing interest, and I hate to say this, with Karrion Cross, And uh, they're rejuvenated a little bit because of the Ricochet addition to Braun Strowman. And like I mentioned on the last episode, I think if they stay together a little while, they might be all right because they actually impressed me a little bit in the match against the Usos. Karrion Cross, it disgusts me. I was so excited when he came back because I was such a fan of his in NXT. And really, I just don't understand the thinking on his character and what they're doing. First of all, if you don't like the idea of his wife helping him win matches, he doesn't need her. She doesn't have to be there. And I'm sure he would agree. So give this guy a chance. I think if Triple H would just give him the ball, I know he would run with it. Anyway, sir, you got the next headline. John Cena helped Bianca Belair, your favorite Kentucky guy, deal with her 26-second loss that's, at WWE Summer That's why you're doing this headline. <laughs> <laughs> During her appearance on Ryan Satin's Out of Character podcast, the EST talked about John Cena helping her deal with her loss of the SmackDown Women's Championship to Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. Sometimes when you think it could be the worst thing that's happening, and then it flourishes into this beautiful year-long storyline, and it all comes full circle, and that's what it did for me. But in the moment, it can be tough. That 26-second moment was tough for me. 
I remember going to my husband. We always allow each other to vent. Then we're like, okay, I'm validating your feelings, but how do we get out of this? Like, we can't stay here in this mindset. Let's look at the bigger picture. Then John Cena was there. He pulled me aside and he talked to me. He really helped me with my perspective of that. It's going to carry with me for the rest of my career. And then on starring in her new reality show, we actually started filming at the Royal Rumble. That's going to be our first episode, and it's happening. I'm excited, but I'm nervous. I never thought I'd be someone to do a reality series type of thing. But I'm excited for people to see, you know, they, they, they see us inside the ring, and I'm excited for them to see how we are outside the ring. You know, my husband, we're like best friends and homies. We just try to find the fun in everything. We're going to get, you're going to get a good mix between wrestling and some stuff backstage behind the scenes and our home life. So I actually didn't know that Montez Ford and Bianca Belair were doing a reality show. I feel like every couple in WWE gets one these days. Um, this is just an, yet another story of showing you how much of a consummate professional John Cena is. Pulling Bianca Belair aside, telling her, look, you know, it's, it's all part of a storyline. It's, you know, just, just go with it. Don't, don't get too dejected losing in 26 seconds on, on one of the grandest stages. You'll bounce back, and, and certainly she did. And she's been a very long-reigning Raw Women's Champion. It's a, been a well-deserved title reign. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for Bianca. I mean, as far as the reality show, I'm probably not going to watch it. But if you're into that sort of thing, you just, just go right ahead. Well-deserved title reign. That's what I think of that. All right, there. Guys, you know what? <laughs> I don't have any, uh, yeah, I don't have any comment on this news story. Uh, yeah, John Cena, uh, Cody Rhodes, I've seen an interview with him where he actually called uh, John Cena a true role model to younger wrestlers. Okay, that's fine. That's great. That's fantastic. But she, uh, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next headline. <laughs> So this next headline, folks, this is this is a headline that I an article that I found that I really it asks some good questions. Now this isn't news. This is kind of like what ifs, or pre- maybe even you could call predictions, or could happen. So I really like this though because it made me start thinking. And let's see uh, what it does for you all and Mister Cage. So here we go. The WWE Elimination Chamber 2023 superstars who could turn heel and who could turn babyface. So the WWE Elimination Chamber 2023 could include some interesting character changes. We will look at two superstars who could possibly turn heel and three who may turn babyface. First, the babyface, Mellow Money. Carmella is barely getting He'll reaction from the audience. After sustaining an injury last October, Carmelo returned on Raw and immediately got involved in the title proceedings. She defeated Mia Mincha Yim, Candice LeRae, and Piper Nivon to book her ticket to Montreal. Despite being a heel, Carmelo's return got a loud pop from the audience. It was, a, it was complimented by a huge ovation she got after winning the Fatal 4-Way qualifying match for the Elimination Chamber. Mella could either transition to a good side over time or pick up a feud with a heel at the Elimination Chamber. Hill, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn reverting back to honorary Oost position 
would be befitting of the master strategist. Will Sami Zayn acknowledge the tribal chief at the elimination chamber? Chances are likely, given that Roman Reigns versus Cody, Cody Rhodes is being heavily advertised despite the title match prior to WrestleMania. See, I never even thought of that option. That would blow me away. Reigns may take the dub at the upcoming event, but Zayn's schemes could be unhindered. Earning the nickname of the master strategist, the honorary Oos could potentially get into Roman's Reigns' good graces once again and plot the champion's downfall. It would be a hill turn for the greater good. Reigns may have doubts about his allegiance, but he has other problems to worry about. The threat of Cody Rhodes achieving his undesirable to undeniable story is looming over Reigns' overburdened mind. The head of the table's ego will also be satisfied after he's done squeaking an apology out of Sammy. Also, we still don't know if Asuka is a face or a heel after three appearances. It makes sense that she was going to win the chamber, which is a multi-woman match, and they want the fans behind her. But once it's one-on-one against Bianca, people will start seeing how evil she can really be. After months of teasing, Asuka stole the spotlight at at the Royal Rumble with her new crazed look. The unnamed gimmick seems to be a hybrid of her killer clown princess, Anna character, from the New Japan days and the Empress character. Asuka is a huge favorite to win the Women's Elimination Chamber. She will organically turn heel while going into a program against the reigning Raw Women's Champion, although it will be a task for her to gain heel heat a potential way to achieve, uh, to achieve this is by scripting a brutal onslaught on other baby faces, such as Raquel Rodriguez. Interesting. The next one. The right-hand man has been anti-bloodline since the mortifying events of Royal Rumble. His social media antics indicate his new beliefs. Jay's slow face turn was also captured on camera when he acknowledged Sami Zayn with a fist bump on SmackDown. Will Jey Uso portray, portray of Roman Reigns cause a sudden change to WrestleMania 39 proceedings? It would be a huge boost to his credibility as a babyface. Even if he fails in the mission, the potential advent of main event Jay will raise red flags for the tribal chief. Last week, Jimmy and Jay, uh, Jay and Jimmy were told to abstain from participating in the elimination chamber. The duo could express their frustrations about Roman Reigns at the upcoming event. Jimmy has always been a favorite of the crowd, and his transition to the good side alongside Jay, along, alongside Jay would be steamlined. Now, man, there is so much to unpack there. Just for me to comment just really quick, they brought out a lot of stuff that I didn't even think about, especially with Sami Zayn. So, wow, that would you talk about a... It's already an amazing story, but you talk about a, an amazing twist to a fascinating story. That would be something else. Uh, your thought? Well, I'm not, I would say I'm probably the least invested in the potential Carmella face turn. I mean, obviously, you've got to read the crowd, and if they seem like they're getting behind her, then it probably would make sense to turn her into a baby face. But I, I think that, that one is the one that I'm least intrigued by. The Sami Zayn one absolutely blew my mind, and I hadn't even thought about it either until now. And 
that could actually be a really smart way for WWE to kind of have their cake and eat it too. And what I mean by that is, okay, maybe Sami Zayn wouldn't be physically wrestling in the main event of WrestleMania, but imagine if he were to once again swear his allegiance to the Tribal Chief only to betray him at WrestleMania and help Cody Rhodes to win the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. That would be just an incredible series of events over the course of just a few weeks. And then Jey Uso, if they don't go that uh, that direction, they also bring up a good point about Jey Uso. What if Jey Uso does continue to defy Roman Reigns? Because you have to remember, way back in 2020, back when Roman Reigns first started his historic Universal title run, Jey Uso was feuding with Roman Reigns for the first couple of months. And it was only after Roman Reigns beat him down and forced to cause, uh, you know, forced him to basically uh, quit in their Hell in a Cell match that Jey Uso suddenly became the right-hand man to the Tribal Chief and eventually brought the rest of the Uso family on board to the bloodline. So that's also an intriguing idea. I don't necessarily see that happening at this point in time. I think we, we're just seeing a little bit of friction among the bloodline. I don't think Jey Uso's going to actually turn face at this point in time. And then you've got the question of Asuka. You know, is she a face or is she a heel? Well, most likely you need to have a, a heel opponent for Bianca Belair going into WrestleMania. So it only makes sense to turn Asuka heel officially. And this this match, the Elimination Chamber, could be a way to solidify that. Okay, something just hit me. And I want to get your opinion on this before we move on. What if, just what if, I know this is pretty far out there, but let's say that something happens this weekend at Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania, the main event, becomes it does become a triple threat with Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, and Cody Rhodes. Let's just, you know, let's just play the trend here for just a moment. And during that match, at the end of the match, Sami Zayn, the matcher strategist actually hits Cody Rhodes with a chair and causing him to lose the match to Roman Reigns. It was a setup all along to get Sammy in the match to help Roman Reigns secure his title. What do you think about that? I, I, it's the wrestling business, so I don't want to say that couldn't happen. But one thing I will say is that, that there is a trope in wrestling, and it dates back... It dates back at least 20 or 30 years, and they try to do that angle where it looks like one guy has turned against another guy, and now they're feuding and everything, and then at the last minute, the one guy who you thought was against the other guy shows his true allegiance to him and just says things like, oh, you know, I, I took one for the team to prove my loyalty. I just feel like that's a very tired trope that's been used in wrestling a lot over the years, and... I would hate to rob the audience of, you know, uh, you know, a big Sam, Sami Zayn face turn, which is what they want. Um, so to turn around and suddenly make Sami a bona fide heel in that manner, I personally wouldn't go for it as a fan. But could it happen? But, but think about it for happen. just a second. Everybody, everybody believes that Cody Rhodes is going to win at WrestleMania. Everybody, everybody you talk to. Well, that's why you come back. That's why they're talking about bringing the the wing title, the eagle wing title back, and, and what have you. What a shocker! And we all know how much Triple H likes shockers. What a shocker it would be if 
oh, wow. They double-crossed Cody. He didn't get it. See what I mean? It just, I don't know. I think there's something genius behind that. It wouldn't bother me. It wouldn't bother me a bit. It wouldn't bother me if Roman Reigns was still champion next WrestleMania either, though. So I'm one of the few guys that think that way. So before we get into the next uh, headline, let's uh, let's go over a few more Raw results. So Baron Corbin was doing an interview backstage, and quote, he says he's better off without JBL. JBL was dragging him down and is a has-been. He's tired of being disrespected. Corbin said Reigns will destroy Zane. Corbin pointed out that he was the last person to ever beat Reigns, and if Lesnar didn't blindside him, he would have went to WrestleMania and beat him again. He said Cody will also lose to Reigns. Cody came backstage and overheard Corbin saying he thinks Cody, his brother, and his dad are jokes. Cody jumped Corbin, asked for a referee. By the way, he said, give me a referee as he's dragging him to the ring, but he was talking to like four referees. <laughs> he says, give me a referee. I thought that was funny. Anyways, so then they actually had like a match, the bell rung, Cody Rhodes versus uh, Baron Corbin once again, of course. Uh, Baron Corbin loses a match. Cody Rhodes wins. We had Piper Nevin versus Machine. Once again, Machine, I don't, I don't even, why are you even here? Why are you even here? Piper's the winner on it. Didn't really care about that match at all. Mustafa Ali versus Bronson Reed. Winner, Bronson Reed. Uh, who cares? So, your thoughts on those matches, sir? I mean, I don't have a lot of thoughts other than those were my, uh, I, I figured were going to be the intended outcomes. I mean, um, you know, it's you know, it's the week before a pay per view and other or a premium live event, and most of the matches that don't have anything to do with the main storylines are always going to have predictable outcomes. And as far as Baron Corbin's future, I, I don't really care at this point. You know, like I said, they paired him up with JBL, and that didn't work. And now, who knows what they're going to do with him with now that JBL is gone. Uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> kind of tired of talking you about have, Baron Corbin. You have one more headline, right? You want to go ahead and knock it out? Yes, sir. WWE Raw Stable may be getting another member. <laughs> it looks like the Maximum Male Models could be getting a new model in their group soon. Tonight on WWE Monday Night Raw, the Maximum Male Models ran into Alpha Academy in the backstage area. Last week, Maxine Dupree seemed to show interest in Otis, and this week they made it clear when she gave him a business card. Chad Gable yanked the card out of Otis's hand, but Otis seemed interested in what Maxine was offering. It's not entirely clear where this is headed, but it looks like we might see Otis get somewhat of a gimmick makeover, or possibly an alternate version of his current comedic character. <sighs> I mean... You're going to go from being a part of the Alpha Academy with Chad Gable, one of the best workers on the roster, to joining Maximum Male Models. Otis, Otis, Booby, don't make that mistake. Stick with Alpha Academy, and at least you're, you wouldn't be a complete joke in that role. You join Maximum Male Models, you will forever be branded as a comedy Why act. are the Maximum Male Models still around? Is what I'm wondering because the guy that started them is no longer with them. I, I don't. Yeah, don't don't do it. Is it you're going to ruin this guy's career. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, so let's get into the uh, 
Next headline here. Ah, uh, this has something to do. Yeah, this one is brand new. Something is up with Jay Uso's with Jay Uso ahead of the WWE Elimination Chamber. Jay Uso might be back on the same page. Uh oh, it's bad news. Might be back on the same page with the Bloodline, or at least it looks that way to some who saw his recent Instagram stories post. Jay put Jay's Jay posted Jay's post. I wish they learned to write this as a magazine cover that is inspired by a mid-90s vibe magazine that had Death Row Records, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Tupac, and Suge Knight. The recreated cover includes Jimmy J, Sola Sequoia, and Roman Reigns. If they are back on the same page, then it's good news for Reigns and the storyline because last week it seemed as if Jay was considering leaving the bloodline because of what happened with Sami Zayn at the Royal Rumble. Last Friday... Reigns instructed Paul Heyman to tell the Usos to stay home because there are things that they can see on TV that they can't see when they are at the show. This implication is that Reigns saw all the backstage stuff that happened with the Usos and he doesn't trust them to back back him up at the pay-per-view. Once again, I know we've already said this, but I'm going to repeat it for in case you didn't hear the last episode. For those of you wondering if the Usos can make it to Canada for the Chamber Show, Jay was able to get an exemption to go to Winnipeg last year, and Dave Meltzer reported that sourcers in the company told him that both Jimmy and Jay are clear to go to Montreal. So it's possible they will show up tomorrow night at tomorrow night for SmackDown or tonight actually for SmackDown or the show on Saturday at the Chamber. Oh, that's bad news for Zane's right there. If that's true. Uh, your thoughts? I read the same story, um, and I think it was actually Jimmy Uso who had the uh, issues with uh, DUIs in the past um, and wasn't allowed in Canada for a period. I mean, this pretty much, to me, confirms the Usos are going to show up in some capacity at the Elimination Chamber and are going to get involved with the main event. I, I mean, I don't know what more proof you need than that. It, it, it's definitely going to happen. I mean, unless unless Roman has... Like I said, some help from Solo Sokoa and Paul Heyman. Uh, I, I mean, I think the Usos yep, definitely yep. going to be there, too. And the last headline of today, let's go over. Actually, you know what? We have, we have, uh, sorry about that. I got ahead of myself. Let's give, let's go over the rest of the, uh, we already did that, rest of the raw results. No, we didn't. We didn't do the, uh, Oscar, Nikki Cross, and Carmella versus Natalia. Liv Morgan, and Raquel Welch. Winner, Asuka's team. However, she did take out <laughs> her own team in Cross and Camellia. So, yeah, Asuka's going to be a heel. She's already showing it. She's taking out everybody. And then the uh, triple threat match. This was to give Becky Lynch or Bailey a shot to be in the WrestleMania match for the Raw's title. It was Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch versus Bailey. Why? Why would you let Bianca Belair win this match? Why wouldn't you let one of these two be in this match as well? It just it blows my mind how strong they try to make this freak. It, it just stupid ponytail girl kills me. Uh, your thoughts on the rest of the Raw results? I mean, when you're the EST of uh, Raw, Kentucky guy, you can't help but look strong. I mean, Becky and uh, Bailey certainly didn't look weak in defeat, but the raw women's champion uh, my friend you gotta you, you gotta respect that um 
Asuka's team winning the six-woman uh, tag team match makes total sense. And telling you, she's being booked to look really strong, and I think it's a, I think it's a foregone conclusion that she's going to win. Just, 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 uh, just my just personal on that opinion. Bandwagon, buddy. Actually, I said that we had one more headline. There's actually two because I forgot about this one. This is an important one. Uh, WWE wants to sign Kenny Omega. Today, in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that there is a much bigger free agent in play right now that the WWE sees as a priority over the switchblade, Jay White. WrestlingNews.com has heard that this person is Kenny Omega as his AEW deal has expired or is set to expire soon. Omega signed a four-year deal in February of 2020, a month after AEW officially launched. Omega and the Young Bucks had talks with WWE prior to signing their AEW deal. In an update on Fightful Select, numerous sources say that they overheard Tony Khan say that time could be added to Omega's deal because of injuries. But Omega has a good legal representation. And the time being added is not a guarantee to happen. Omega has been complimentary towards WWE in the past and has even talked about being open to the idea of AEW and WWE having a working relationship. That doesn't seem to be in the cards. But it looks like Omega making the jump to WWE is a possibility. Again, it's not a lock that Omega will go to the WWE. But given how they have pushed Cody Rhodes as a top-tier star, and the money that they would offer to sign another EVP, anything is possible. Man, make that happen. I would love to see him on SmackDown or Raw. Would love to see him on SmackDown or Raw. Your thoughts? I I would also be there for it if it happened. And now would be the perfect time to snatch him up, honestly, especially if his contract is about to expire. You know that AEW is going to try to lock him down. But the fact of the matter is... Can they offer him what WWE can offer him? Because think about this. Kenny Omega's pretty much done everything in AEW. He's already been a tag team champion. He's one of the current trios champions uh, alongside the Young Bucks. And he's been an AEW world champion. He was the Impact world champion uh, not too long ago. Right now he's the current uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, United States champion. I mean, this, this, this is the ideal time for... Kenny Omega, while his stock is up, for him to go to WWE if or if it ever were to happen. I mean, there's no guarantees in life. He might decide to re-sign with AEW, but he's going to definitely entertain an right. offer. Yep. I'll tell you I that right so now. I think so, too. So, the last headline, and the reason why I'm going over this headline, there's only one reason, is we, we talked about CM Punk the last couple episodes, and I mentioned that I can't see how he could come back to AEW uh, television, mainly because the elites are back. Now, here's a headline that suddenly come out this week, kind of backing up what I said. CM Punk and the elite haven't mended fences at all since AEW all-out fight. The backstage fight between CM Punk and the elite was back in the headlines on Monday when Cody Rhodes discussed it, it during an appearance on the MMA Hour. By the way, Cody said that he is neutral like Switzerland on this. He likes both sides. He's not getting involved. Punk, since early September, following the backstage brawl with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, 
After the all-out pay-per-view, at the post-event pressure, he ripped Colt Cabana, Adam Page, and the AEW EVPs, and more. Last week, in an Instagram stories, Punk shared a video from Ice-T's Instagram page about forgiveness for bad deeds and how you don't have to hang out with the people that wronged you to forgive them. Punk will be medically cleared to return in a few months, but his AEW status is still up in the air. While speaking on Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted the elite and punk have yet to mend fences. Quote, a lot of damage was done. There's a lot of mending of fences that needs to be done. And there's been no mending of fences at all. You know, it's a big situation because punk could be back in two months. Then there's a decision that's going to be big, a big story. How that goes down or doesn't go down, Meltzer quoted. Yeah, so I told you, I don't see this guy back on AEW television, and that's not the only reason, but that's one of the big ones. That, and it was all his fault, and it was caught on tape, and Tony Khan's will lose a ton of wrestlers and credibility if he brings this punk back. Your thoughts, sir? I'm in agreement, Kentucky guy, that regardless of whether, because I keep hearing that the Young Bucks contracts are coming up as well soon, but regardless of whether Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, re-sign with AEW or not is, is immaterial. Um, CM Punk was in the wrong in this situation. Let's pretend the fight, just for one minute that the fight never happened. Let's pretend we just had the all-out media scrum where he basically tore, tore the elite a new one and, and talked about the locker room and said all sorts of, ne- talked about Cole Cabana, all sorts of negative comments. And basically did not portray himself in a positive light. I still don't think there would be a very good chance of him being brought back just from opening his mouth the way he did. So, I mean, again, it's anything can happen in pro wrestling, and we all, and we all know how much of a fan, as we've said numerous times, how much of a fan Tony Khan is, and that sometimes he struggles with making the difficult decisions. He has to make the difficult decision here and say, look, I don't care how, many, how, much, how much this guy would draw, he, he can't be brought back to television because he's a toxic influence at this point. He opened his mouth when it shouldn't have been opened. I should have put a stop to it. And, and, and this is how I, 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 can, I can do a make good now. Is by I not mean, bringing he, it back uh, to TV. He not only not opened his mouth, he sat there nodding his head when it was going on. Crazy. Just didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Uh, he he should have looked down at the floor. He, he, there's so many things he could, got up and excused himself to get something to drink. There's so many things that he could have done that he done wrong during that. I, I don't just blame CM Punk. Don't get me wrong. He's the main cause of it all. I don't just blame him. Tony Khan's had a hand in that too. So, yeah. All right, sir. That's all I have for today's episode. How about yourself? Yeah, um, you pretty much covered the CM Punk thing, which which is another uh, topic I was gonna I was gonna bring up, um, and I know the wrestling world's buzzing about that again. Which, man, oh man, it's just it's one of those topics that's just like never gonna officially go away until Punk's contract with AEW finally expires. Um, you know, it's yeah, it's it, it's crazy to think how a year ago we were talking about how. AEW was really building itself up and becoming legitimate competition to WWE, but 
my how the landscape has changed yeah, in that it's, time. Uh, it's really sad in a way. I mean, we no longer have the rankings don't mean anything. I just, you know. Oh, by the way, Hook has been suspended over breaking uh, the Smiley's arm. So just throw that out there. He has been suspended. Uh, I don't know for how long. It didn't say, but uh, I thought that was odd. Did you think that was odd? Have you heard that? I have. It was this. No, this I believe is it's a real, real life. life suspension, or it's I, I in storyline. Wow, I'm uh, I'm shocked to be perfectly honest. And uh, wow, talk about a, a an inopportune time well, to kill I mean, your momentum. He, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Let's wait and see what happens. Let's wait and see what happens because you know they've told us before that it wasn't storyline, and and it was. So let's wait and see. But that just. Uh, if you if you look at the guy that he broke his arm, and you look at Hook, there's no comparison in star quality or draw <laughs> between the two. So it makes zero sense to suspend him. But we'll see. But now, don't get me wrong. If he went rogue and broke the guy's arm, that's different. But I don't know. Uh, oh, Smiley, yep. you're talking about the manager for um, uh, with Cage and all them with, with Stable. Oh, 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 I, I totally think that storyline in that case. I thought you were talking about Norman Smiley, the, no, uh, the wrestler and trainer. Is he part of AEW? No, no, I don't think so. I, I don't. But when I hear the name Smiley, that's yeah, I think that's it's the first strictly or something like Norman that. I just, Smiley. I call him Smiley because I can never remember his last name. <laughs> All right, folks. So you've been listening to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> With your hostess, the Kentucky guy, and Donnie Cage. And as always, folks, thanks so much for listening in. God bless, and God bless America. Thank you all. <laughs>